0: Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 17, and we're reviewing part two, Battle Tendency, The Deeper Plan. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. I enjoyed this episode. I think it's a good one. Because um, we, we stray a little bit away from just a lot of you know exposition and actually have like a full battle, but a battle that only takes place in one episode. So I kind of liked it, like it was condensed, but it was like the right size for this this face off with ACDC.
1: Yeah, it was a good episode. Um, I think it's nice that the show decided to skip the three weeks of Joseph and Caesar's hamon training to just show the beginning with the pillar. And the end, um, so there is no time wasted, and then it yeah just literally jumps right into the first boss fight for Joseph as well. Um, in many ways, it's a blessing. It's kind of like what happened in part one, where I think we skipped most of Jonathan's humble training. Yeah. Um, but I guess there's this one very minor way that this is a curse, but I'll explore that a little bit more in our actual discussion
0: oh I'm interested well before we dive into that I wanted to call out something that we recently retweeted um so if you ever venture out onto our twitter at strictly series um I came across this one tweet I don't know it just says like cursing with knowledge and then I looked at the the picture or the cursing was, with
1: knowledge or cursed with knowledge
0: It just cursing with knowledge okay. <laughs> it says cursing with knowledge um but the the screenshot that the person posted these people were freaking out over the shadow lines in Battle Tendency. And I'm like, I don't understand what's weird about the shadow lines. But then I was looking at the comments and I never realized until now that the shadow lines in both part one and part two, since they that season one has the same animation style, um, all the shadow lines are geometric. They're either like diamond or square shapes um, or they're kind of like oval or circular i don't know how to describe it but if you go on there and take a look at some of the screenshots people posted or really just watch an episode of jojo from part one or part two you'll notice it and it's not every single shadow like the smaller shadows are still very realistic following the natural curves of like someone's hand or their their clothing or whatever but it's the larger sweeping shadows are the ones that have these geometric shapes and I'm like, hmm. I can't unsee it now. And I'm not mad about it because I actually have a, a deeper appreciation for the animation style um, and what the animators did for this first season. But yeah, it's it's interesting to look at.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at some of the images in like the replies to the tweet. And yeah, it's something that I never even noticed. Um, and I think it's probably just not like budget and budget and time constraints i'm sure because as most of you know like jojo is a very detailed anime when it comes to the animation so i'm sure like david production has to allot time to uh, creating these very detailed and fabricated character designs that there's not much room to actually put in for like as detailed shading too
0: well like i said there's still detailed shadows at the smaller level mm-hmm. um, especially when you get a close-up shot of certain characters there's you can still see like the smaller shadows that follow natural curvature but i like to think of it as like an artistic choice for david production to say like that let's add these geometric shapes and it kind of plays into um you know how anytime in jojo there's like a, a serious you know very tense moment and you get like a close-up shot of one of the characters and the colors all switch mm-hmm. um Oftentimes in the background and the foreground of one of those moments, there are geometric shapes. Like I think in this episode, I noticed since I was looking at the shadows, I noticed that when there was a a shot like that of Joseph's face, his colors changed. Um, There were diamonds that kind of went across like translucent diamonds or transparent. I don't know either one. Um, They kind of went across the foreground of the shot of his face. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there are a lot of geometric shapes in those moments. So maybe it's just kind of tying that all together.
1: Mm-hmm. And maybe, again, I haven't seen any of the manga panels, but it's possible that could have been an artistic choice in the manga as well. Um, if anyone wants to verify that, please let us know. Um, but, yeah, it's just another interesting tidbit um, with, again, the style of the show.
0: And if you haven't seen it, you know, do venture on to our Twitter, um, again, at Strictly Series, to see the retweet that we have on there. Um, and, yeah, you'll also be able to... never unsee unsee it. it. (laughs) And I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. I feel like I have seen this posted on Reddit before, so I'm not going to take credit for it or anything. But um, you'll also never be able to unsee the ball sacks on people's faces. And Mm. what do I mean by that as you're looking at me (laughs) with great confusion? Um, Certain characters, especially in parts one, two, and especially in part three, when they furrow their brows, Right in between their two eyebrows, like the skin there, when their brows are furrowed, it looks like a ball sack. It's more prominent in part three, um, if you look at some of those characters during very tense moments. But I, I also noticed that in this episode, because there's a couple of shots of ACDC where he's like glaring or like, you know, angry or whatever. And in between his eyebrows, the skin that furrows up looks like a ball sack.
1: <laughs> what the fuck? I'm trying to look up images right now, but maybe. It's going to be another thing where uh, once I see it, I can't unsee it. Okay. Best example
0: is look at Polnareff. Polnareff from part three. Just Google Polnareff. Look at any of the shots from the anime. And he has constant ball sack furrowed brow because he doesn't have eyebrows. So it's it's like more obvious on him. Right? (laughs) You can't unsee the ball sack in between his two non-existent eyebrows. It's
1: kind of like. Peter Griffin with his chin and he has the little curves. Oh yeah, up.
0: that looks like a ball sack too. Well, great,
1: now, now part three is ruined for me.
0: <laughs> or, hear me out, No. it's enhanced.
1: <laughs> what do you mean enhanced?
0: Seeing the ball sacks enhances your experience when watching part three. Oh. You got to think positive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sure. <laughs>
0: but on to more important topics of discussion. The episode itself, The Deeper Plan. What were your... So we talked a little bit about our overall thoughts. Anything else you wanted to add about, you know, takeaways from this episode? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought
1: we would just... Uh, it would be best to just dive right into the summary.
0: Hey, I'm down for that. You alluded you had to, anything. Well, you alluded to having, like, a little more info that you wanted to share. The, the curse or whatever that you were talking about. But no. are you saving that?
1: Again, it, it's a very minor thing. Like... I'll get it over with in the first minute of our discussion.
0: Okay, sounds good. Well, I guess I just have one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, as far as this episode goes, I just love that, and I'll, I'll dive into this more when we kind of talk through the episode, but I love that this is like the, the one and only opponent that Joseph faces that really kind of puts him to the test not physically but mentally because acdc's approach is almost one for one to joseph so we'll talk about that a little bit more but i think that's my favorite part of this episode is just the unique opponent that he that joseph has this time around
1: Mm -hmm. but yeah let's go ahead and get deeper that's what she said into the summary for part two episode eight the deeper plan on opposite sides of Zalardo. Cars and Lisa Lisa jointly explain that the former needs a perfectly cut redstone of Aja, the super hot fire Aja, that the latter is in possession of in order to power the stone mask that the former created to become the ultimate life form and ultimate head headache for the latter. Joseph who has the big brain suggestion to destroy the stone, but since it is needed to defeat the pillormans as well, Lisa Lisa must guard it with her life life. Meanwhile, she gives Josephu and Shiza their final exam, which is to beat Loggins and Messina in a Hamon battle. Shiza proves formidable against Messina, but Josephu's test is delayed indefinitely as ACDC arrives to Air Supplana Island in time to kill Loggins in pursuit of the super hot fire Aja. The pair engage in a battle of quiplash over a field of spikes. Josephu manages to slice off ACDC's arm with a wire trap that sends the Pillarmen mentally spiraling, However, he recovers in time to steal Loggins' arm and attack Josefu with his red-hot bloody streams. Wink, wink. Though it seems our Hamon hero has come to his wit's end, he nonetheless calls upon the power of amateur stage magic to set up another wire trap for ACDC and disintegrates the Pillarman with his Hamon overdrive. Josephu proceeds to ingest the antidote for his poisonous windpipe ring from ACDC's nose ring, which miraculously survived the heat of the battle leaving only Wan was ring to deal with before its deadline in six days. As Josephu heads back to Hamon headquarters, it is revealed that ACDC's nervous system is inconspicuously clinging to his back, so I guess you could say it literally is nervous. <coughs> and now on to our next segment of the show, is that a music reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music. This is a very brief moment in this episode where this character is introduced although I think she plays a bigger role in the subsequent episode Um, but the only one that I caught in the deeper plan is Susie Q Uh, she is named after Susie Q which is a popular 1950s rockabilly song written by Dale Hawkins that has been covered numerous times um, some of the more notable cover artists were the Rolling Stones and Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, I know that the localized uh, translation spells her name as S-U-Z-I-E. The actual song is spelled S-U-S-I-E. So take that as you will.
0: Which is the common spelling of Susie.
1: yeah. I don't think I've ever met a person with the Z spelling or yeah. and, and Susie with the Z spelling in her name.
0: Couldn't you almost argue that Susie Q is like a name so you could technically use it without copyright infringement? Like I I know just based off of Iraqi and everything, people can put two and two together and say that's a music reference. But mm-hmm. couldn't they argue that like Susie Q, I mean, that's that is kind of like, I mean, it's not a common name, but it's a name that exists. Like when I hear that, I don't immediately think of the song. I immediately think of like, I don't know. Some chick.
1: See, I immediately think of the song because I first knew about this song. There was a live-action Disney movie. I don't know if you remember this from the 90s that was also called Suzy Q. And it featured the pink Power Ranger as the main character. Oh, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. So like, every time I hear Suzy Q, I I think of this song. But yeah, I don't know what it's like um, legally when it comes to names. So we have any legal experts out there Um, maybe you can provide insight into jojo's legal adventure (laughs) yeah so Susie q that's all for this episode
0: now it's time for the jojo meme rundown where we list each new jojo meme that appeared in this episode we finally have one people we're back on the map okay and it's a great Mm -hmm. one um it is acdc's crying face and it deserves its own meme. Um, this one's good. I, I've i actually seen the Jotaro version way more, at least recently, than I have the original ACDC face. And um, if you Google ACDC crying meme, you'll see the one from this episode, but then you'll also see the remake um, where it's Jotaro's face, but in the manga art style, uh, but it's colorized. I don't know the background on this. I was trying to figure it out. Like, I was trying to see if that's just a fan-made thing or if it actually does exist somewhere in the manga, which I would be kind of surprised because it's like a one-for-one. One. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't find any information, but I'll uh, I'll keep digging. If anyone listening knows where the Jotaro version of the ACDC crying face actually came from, please reach out to us and let us know.
1: Oh, I didn't even know that that was supposed to be in reference to ACDC. Because... Again, it's been so long since I've seen part two. Like, I remember the meme, but I didn't realize the Jotaro picture is like the exact same face.
0: Yeah, like I'm looking at the two right now, and other than it being flipped horizontally, it's like identical. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is from the manga. I'm going to guess highly likely not, because I don't think Jotaro would ever cry, let alone make a face like that. Um, So I'm guessing it's fan made, but I wasn't able to confirm for sure. Uh, maybe I'm just looking in all the wrong places. There is a the same crying face I think does exist in the manga. Um, so it's not an original face for the anime. But the anime face is the one that's obviously more recognizable. And again, as I alluded or as I mentioned earlier, it's the Jotaro crying one that's actually used more often, um, at least in the last like year or two, I feel like. I do venture through a lot of jo- Jojo memes, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I can say that with confidence. <laughs>
1: And I think it's, this is interesting because when watching the episode, like, obviously the anime takes a very similar style to the manga, but when they did the close-ups of ACDC's face, it felt like it was ripped straight out of the manga. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, the style was slightly different, and I'm, again, I'm looking at the comparison of the manga panel with what happens in the show. Um... Yeah, it, it, it was like a, a drastic difference in animation quality at that point. I don't know if they just wanted to get this meme or this shot down perfectly um, as, as, a, as a tribute to that panel.
0: It is a glorious, glorious panel and a glorious, glorious sh- screenshot. But as always, if um, we missed any memes from this episode, please reach out and let us know. I think this was the only one. Um, I feel pretty confident about that, but who knows? I may be missing something. And onto the episode itself, starting at the beginning, we get that cold opening with the backstory on the Redstone of Aja. I say Aja because that's how they pronounce it in the Japanese um, dub, the Japanese voiceover. Mm-hmm. But I know some people pronounce it Aja. I'm going to apologize now if it irks you the way I say it. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I know I said Aja or Aja before, but synopsis wise, I started following. Like in the Japanese pronunciation.
0: When you hear it so much as you're watching the anime, you just can't help but like emulate that. Mm-hmm. And I know you can't always do that, but there are some times where like, I know the Japanese pronunciation is probably wrong, but I'm just gonna say it that way because that's what's ingrained to in me. Like a perfect example is part five's bucerati. That's not how you pronounce it in Italian, right?
1: Yeah, it would be like a bucerati yeah <laughs> yeah i know here people trying... be like
0: Bucciarati and i'm like oh, mm-hmm. it's Bucciarati." i know i'm saying it technically incorrectly but that's how they say it in the japanese voiceover <laughs> yeah.
1: although there's a video um of it looks like a anime convention in italy and there's someone in the crowd that's holding up a picture of bucharati in like almost like the religious figure yeah. style and the crowd yeah, it's predominantly Italians, but they also pronounce it the way they do it in the Japanese, which is the Bucciarati, Bucciarati. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> maybe if they've
0: accepted it, I can accept it. Yeah. And I think that was actually when Araki went to visit. He like did some sort of, um, you know, I don't know if it was a meet and greet, but it was some sort of like fan event yeah, in yeah. Italy mm-hmm. after the premiere of part five. So he, he was in Italy during that time. And I'm pretty sure that's where that video comes from. Mm hmm. But anyway, going back to um, the cold opening. So yes, it's the backstory on, or at least a little bit of the backstory on the red zone of Asia and why it's so important. And then we go from like Cars narrating that to Lisa Lisa kind of narrating that same story. And she comments and says that, because as you mentioned in your synopsis, Joseph has that moment where he's like, why don't we just fucking destroy it? Then they have nothing to come after and no way to become the ultimate life form. And Lisa says she Lisa Lisa says she can't destroy the stone because legend says that the Pillar Men cannot be defeated without it. But as we all know, having finished part two, they are defeated without it. So the legend was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Snopes fact checked it and it was false. <laughs> Which
0: is kind of interesting because oftentimes like these legends or premonitions or whatever are usually right. Like not only in anime but in entertainment in general and, and stories in general. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that this one didn't play out that way.
1: I feel like it was an Iraqi forgot. Probably <laughs> <laughs> he didn't realize. Oh yeah, I mentioned this gem being significant. I then... mean,
0: to be fair, it could still technically be needed to defeat Cars, as we all know his the way his story ends up at the end of this. But I don't know. We'll we'll never know. It could be a cannon. It could be a Rocky's headcanon. It's most likely a Rocky forgot. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I wanted to kind of point this out. So there's a shot of the setting where and ACDC are, in, and it's like a Mayan-looking pyramid. So the assumption is that the Pillar Men traveled all the way back to, I'm guessing, their original home in Mexico. But then ACDC just shows up back in Italy. Like, it's... Just, I don't know. It's something about that is just kind of strange because I think most of the action... In part two, uh, this point forward takes place in Europe.
0: Wait, okay, hold up. You're talking about the cold opening? Yeah. Where Cars is explaining the stone? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a flashback.
1: Flashback to when, though?
0: Like a long time ago when they were making these masks and cars being like because when they when they leave so their introductory episode when they leave that wall right like they wake up they leave the wall they fight joseph and caesar they say that they need to find the red stone of Asia, meaning they already know that perfect one exists they just need to locate it so the, my understanding is this cold opening is actually a flashback because cars is saying that like i have a smaller stone here but it's not perfect there is a perfect stone out there and we need to go find it and the way they transition from that to Lisa Lisa makes me feel like it's actually Lisa Lisa telling the story to Joseph and Caesar, but we first see it from the viewpoint of okay. the Pillar Men. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I cheated and looked at the JoJo wiki and yeah, it says in the far past somewhere in a pyramid. There
0: so, you go. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, <laughs> that kind of clears up that because yeah, it was just going to be weird if you know they go all the way back to... Um, Mexico and then they just hop not hop on a plane because you know they
0: literally don't know what an airplane is yeah at this point. And then
1: they just come all the way back to, to Italy just to find the stone that they were already close by
0: yeah as Lisa Lisa's telling this story um, we see Caesar like visibly upset um, you know just hearing the situation and Joseph has that inner monologue where he comments that so many including their grandfathers have lost their lives to protect the the world from the stone and the mask and he says he understands how Caesar feels like he's very empathetic in that moment and I'm like damn just a couple episodes these two were at each other's throats and saying like I could never work with somebody who's as unrefined as him and it's his grandpa's fault that my grandpa died and now it's like a complete 180 um because their friendship has really evolved and they they respect each other now they understand each other better which is uh which is nice it's a nice development Mm -hmm. it's very heartwarming
1: wholesome <laughs>
0: wholesome <laughs> and then we go into not so wholesome shit as we uh see Loggins has gotten his uh his stomach gutted open with acdc's foot
1: yeah and this is where that comment i made earlier comes in where again it's nice that we get to skip the three weeks of training because how much like anything fruitful can we get from that besides i'm just doing daily exercises but here like, we, I pretty, we were only introduced to Messina and Loggins in the lo- last episode, right? Yeah,
0: at the very end.
1: And then, like, here, we're expected. Like, I mean, it's implied that, you know, Joseph had a close relationship with his instructor. But, you know, we barely got screen time, enough screen time with Loggins to really care about this death. So that that's what I meant by, like, there's a very minor detail with this episode being both a blessing and a curse when it comes to that time skip
0: well my my assumption and again i don't know because i don't read manga my assumption is maybe he plays a bigger part in the manga and maybe there wasn't even a time skip in the manga Mm. for the training arc but for purposes of like this half season or two-thirds of a season they needed to kind of cut that out but let me play devil devil's advocate here do you care enough about logins to want to see more of him because i don't yeah like i'm not saying he's not a cool character i'm sure on some level he would have been a cool character but i also like I don't need to see more of him. I'm fine with him just kind of getting tossed aside.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just understanding more of Joseph's attachment to him. Because yeah, that's yeah, that's the only thing. Is like he mourns over this guy's death, but like <laughs> us as an audience, we don't care.
0: Yeah, we're not connected enough to mm-hmm. like buy into that. That yeah. makes sense.
1: And I wanted to point out that while well, before Joseph sees his instructor. Uh, being made into a donut hole. I know you said he, he's technically part of the donut gang.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, He's, and I think this is a lesser acknowledged member, but um, for anyone who who's watched all of the Jojo anime, you know that there's uh the donut gang out there, which is characters who have gotten things shoved through their stomachs and left a gaping hole. So Loggins mm-hmm. is technically... I don't know. Is he the first member of the Donut Gang?
1: Um, yeah. I'm thinking back to part like I don't think anyone one. else has gotten donutted before this, right? No, not that I remember.
0: Yeah, so he must be like the inaugural member. Um, mm-hmm. but he's also like probably the most forgotten member. But yes, he is technically a member of the Donut Gang. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say I, I won't spoil it because you know, the whole point of us switching formats was so that we could talk openly about JoJo. But as we all know, there's um, there's certainly a, a major Donut Gang member in Part 3. Um, there's <laughs> a, a an Iraqi Forgot or more like a JoJo Logic Donut Gang member from Part 4. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's one from Part 5.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the one from Part 3, but 4 and 5, when we get to those, um, I'll have to jog my memory back
0: you don't remember no i just want to okay it's it's koichi from part four but he lives
1: <laughs> part four is just a blur to me maybe because it's <laughs> that's my least favorite part oh
0: my god i love part four <laughs> um,
1: but yeah actually going back to what i was saying um this is just a stupid note but i just like how joseph says the night is always darkest before the dawn and do you know why
0: because he's in italy i don't know
1: it's a it's a dark night quote <laughs>
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> you know, I love pointing out Dark Knight Star Wars shit and that I noticed in like <laughs> anime, so
0: Did it originate? It didn't originate from there, right? No,
1: I'm sure this was a quote that's been used countless times in in other forms besides like this show and, and the Dark Knight film. But
0: But it's in there. Yeah. And that makes you all
1: yeah, so uh, I've reached my of <laughs> quota of you know Dark Knight references in a strictly series podcast <laughs> for this episode.
0: As ACDC and Joseph are interacting, um, at least in the initial parts of their interaction, ACDC warns Joseph. He like tells him to get out of his way or he'll kill him. And my mind is like, why? Why is that a thing? Like, why do the Pillar Men constantly feel like sparing these Hamon mm-hmm. users, specifically Joseph and Caesar? But they won't spare like civilians, right? Like they they ripped through Mark from like the the earlier episode. They like sheared half his body off and they didn't care. Um, But they won't kill Joseph and Caesar who clearly pose the biggest threat to them because they've commented how they've killed so many Hamon users because they're weak against Hamon. But for some reason, they just don't rip right through these two guys.
1: Yeah, and actually the line that ACDC says is touch me and you'll lose half your body, which that sounds like a too soon, right? Because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Mark walked... Or who walked through Mark? It was, oh, it was Mom. Okay. But yeah, it was just, I just thought that was like a a big oof on <laughs> ACDC's part. Um, I would say it's just... I would chalk it up to like the Pillar Men having this sort of warrior code. Like they recognize that... Caesar and Joseph although they are like rivals like they still acknowledge that they're um, warriors in, in a respect so they don't want to provoke them unless they feel provoked and that's essentially what happens um, in this episode anyways
0: yeah that makes sense especially Wamu because when we get to his fight that's like what drives that whole fight is the fact that he he sees the warrior in Joseph and wants to to fight a true a true warrior. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that makes sense. Okay, yeah, thank you.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
0: um, but Joseph to your earlier point is is all about giving respect or paying respect to Logans, his recently deceased <laughs> instructor, because as Too he's soon deceased, he's yeah, as he's fighting ACDC, um, he you know uses his string trick for the first time in this fight and he ties it to Logan's finger.
1: Really quick strings. Do you think there's a connection with part 6 there? Oh. And my I'm asking you because God. you've <laughs> read through part 6.
0: Yeah, so I quick. have. Maybe maybe that that plays into it. You know what? We're not going to say anything cuz we're not going to spoil the manga, but we are going to take a note right now. Maybe you'll hear me typing. Part six. When we get there, who knows when it'll premiere? We're gonna tie that back.
1: Mm-hmm. And maybe it, it's just you know Iraqi pulling things from uh, previous parts to kind of show this connection between all the Joe stars. But the moment that Joseph mentions, "Oh, I'm gonna deal with ACDC using these strings," I was like, "Oh."
0: Or it could be us as major jojo fans just overanalyzing everything <laughs> but i will i will say that like there are those small nods again intentional or not that make us think that everything's like really interconnected you pointed out in a previous episode that the gloves that jojo or that joseph wears looks identical to the gloves that jonathan wears mm-hmm. and then the belts that jotaro is wearing in part 3 look very reminiscent of caesar's headband from part 2 so yeah. there's there's plenty of those little little things that you can tie together. So whether or not this whole like string string theory <laughs> is intentional or not, I still enjoy it. I still believe it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, speaking of those strings, yes, um, Joseph allows Loggins to get first blood on ACDC. And he does comment. He's like, it's a little morbid for my taste, but... I'm going to do this. And I'm like, you know, as always, I love Joseph because he cares about others so much, even if he doesn't you know, try to make that known at at the get-go. And here's just another perfect example of that. But then it Mm -hmm. backfires on him when ACDC goes and melts the shit out of his corpse.
1: Out of his what?
0: Melts the shit out of his corpse.
1: Oh, yeah, that was bad. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of twisted on his part. Um, And another thing I just wanted to point out, how did joseph get the string soaked in vegetable oil
0: you know you don't ask questions okay joseph just does (laughs) does these things and they always work he comes up Mm. with the most elaborate ways like elaborate and unexpected ways of defeating his enemies with like little to no resources or time and yet it still works out perfectly (laughs) (laughs) it's like when he was fighting um straight straight so it's like where did he get fucking like six grenades from Oh, yeah. And how did he tie them to his body? Or how did he
1: carry those little Hamon shot glasses <laughs> without <Yeah. laughs> them breaking throughout like his running? It's just what makes Joseph so
0: <laughs> awesome. That and the fact that he's constantly giving us um, reminders that he cares so much about his grandma. Because then he goes and comments saying that like he skipped school a lot, but he was always good at remembering Edina's history lessons. And I feel like that's not him saying that he was interested in what she was saying. That was more like he was paying respect to her and you know, making sure to really pay attention when Irina was the one teaching him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That, that's my thought anyway.
1: Yeah, and to that regard, he quotes Sun Tzu. I um, know is like a Chinese uh, war philosopher. Um, I think specifically quoting from his his work, The Art of War, Victory is Decided Before the Battle is Fought. I thought that was interesting that Joseph picked out that line because this is basically his mantra in how he battles his enemies. I would say it's like a more philosophical version of like now you'll see because he always anticipates his enemies moves and knows exactly how to counter it before they even know it.
0: Yeah. And speaking of which, as he's, you know, kind of starting off this fight with ACDC and he chops his arm off using that string going back to the the one and only meme that we've identified for this episode acdc starts fucking bawling and i think that the way david productions um you know approached this moment was so smart because i mean acdc has one of the best reactions of any villain ever when he busts into tears like screaming and crying and then suddenly fucking 180s and snaps out of it but the whole time there's no music and i thought that was such a smart choice (laughs) Like it's it's like dead quiet in the background to allow um his voice actor to really shine in this moment, and I think to emphasize like the the impact and just like make the the viewer feel like extra uncomfortable with like this reaction of a not only a grown ass adult but like a two thousand year old <laughs> adult. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was it was such a good choice, and props to the voice actor who is K G Fujiwara um for such an awesome performance in this really quick scene and such a hilarious cry. And I do want to note too that he did pass away. Yes, I think somewhat recently, right? Like in the last a couple years.
1: I want to say it was last year. Um, what was his name again?
0: K. G. Fujiwara.
1: Sorry, I'm gonna make a quick search on Wiki. Yes, he died last year, April
0: 2020. Dang. Yeah, that was that was kind of sad news. Um, because I I thought he he was
1: only 55 too. Oh, so sad.
0: Yeah, I feel like he he, he had um, a great voice and I think he was a, a really talented voice actor. So this will stand out as one of his uh, one of his best performances, at least in my eyes.
1: Yeah. And well, I just love how the, the crying just stops immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't like fade out. It just stops. Something about like something stopping suddenly, like just for the comedic timing like it always gets me i don't know why
0: yeah not only that but like he stops and all you get is a shot of his back so you don't actually know what's going through his head and there's like that pause it's like a perfectly timed pause and then it just like zooms out on his face and he's like oh i feel so much better now.
1: yeah and then he turns the tables he tables <laughs> the turntable, <laughs> and he gives uh joseph a sun tzu quote which is to fight is to deceive. All warfare is based on deception, which is essentially the same quote that Joseph told him. Or yeah, in a way it is. But part of me wondered if ACDC would have been even been alive or if he was still hibernating around the time Sun Tzu was alive. But I think it's possible because I looked it up and Sun Tzu lived around 500 BC. But that all aside, it's weird because I feel like acdc after this point was very straightforward with his attacks on joseph so i still think joseph is the more prominent of the two opponents to put this philosophy into action
0: but joseph definitely gets a taste of his own medicine throughout this fight with acdc because um as things progress like joseph comments that he can't read acdc's mind unlike his other opponents um and he feels as though acdc is reading his mind instead and you get that. I mean, that's that's like the whole the whole point of this fight, right? And, mm-hmm. and why I really enjoy this fight in this episode. Because Joseph is up against somebody who uses the same tricks and thinks the same way. And I mean, like literally like a one-for-one type of um, fighting style, if you want to call it a fighting style. And it's like, how do you overcome that, right? Like that's yeah. his trump card is to be able to pr- predict someone's line, be able to distract people um, and like come up with some interesting schemes, but how do you do that when someone catches onto it and then also kind of sends that back at you?
1: Yeah, it just reinforces how different the pillar men are from the typical like Hamon or Stone Mask opponents that we've seen previously because like at the very end of it ACDC is a superhuman being who's lived thousands of years, so he has all this experience and like he knows I'm pretty sure he can read whatever move Joseph has up his sleeve until, you know, Joseph finally gets to one-up him.
0: One of the parts that, like, really just kind of had me squirming was, of course, when ACDC's nails lift up and his veins come yeah. out. I'm like, this is a gnarly moment. Like, gnarly. Don't get me wrong. It, it didn't make me queasy the way the carotid artery (laughs) rob (laughs) the carotid artery part from um part one like that that really made me queasy like i kind of got sick from that but this is more just like gross and i'm like oh god like that's just like terrible imagery to be looking at
1: see for me this was the worst was it (laughs) there's there's nothing i hate more than seeing displaced fingernails or toenails like it that stuff just weirds me out
0: well they didn't hold back in this episode you had to see the whole thing
1: two or three times where you see it happen and it's just like it makes me (laughs) quease.
0: yeah it's um acdc is an interesting opponent we get that flash in the middle of the fight though to caesar's trial when he's facing messina and messina comments So after the fight messina comments that even though caesar's passed his trial with flying colors he's actually more concerned with whether joseph is passing his trial um and then caesar replies by saying the only reason he's strong is because he didn't want joseph to surpass him so it's kind of like his indirect way of saying like he's got mad respect for joseph and really wants him to succeed for multiple reasons right like they're friends now they're fighting towards the same goal and also like if joseph doesn't win this trial like is he going to be good enough to save his own life and you know get those wedding rings of death out of his system um so just a small little nod um helps to kind of reinforce that yes they are you know very much allies at this point and their relationship has really grown since the the first time they met
1: yeah it kind of reminded me of like Mbakuko and midoriya at this point
0: yeah spoilers for anyone who uh is early on in my hero but Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, very similar situation.
1: Or just maybe Caesar's just truly in love with Joseph, as uh, Messina had implied.
0: <laughs> Who's not in love with Joseph? Okay, like he's great. As we flash back to, or no, I guess not flashback, as we pivot back to the fight between ACDC and Joseph, um, ACDC calls out that on the surface, Joseph plays the clever quipster. But on the inside, he's using that as a distraction to give himself time to strategize. And I'm like, yeah, we already talked about that in this podcast. (laughs) I'm like, damn right, (laughs) ACDC.
1: But then he uses his own strategy against him with um, like the your next line is.
0: And that Um, really throws Joseph for a loop. He's mm -hmm. like, what the fuck? That's my line. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that again, it just shows that, you know, the pillar men are not to be fucked with.
0: Especially ACDC. And you get that second attempt um, to trap ACDC with these strings um, that I think come from Joseph's hat, right?
1: Mm-hmm. His wool hat.
0: And so ACDC matches this trick from Joseph with, um, with his string barrier by placing his own barrier, a counter barrier, with his toe veins. Yes, you heard me right. His toe veins. What other show has a character fighting with their toe veins? I can't think of one, and I doubt many of our listeners can think of one either.
1: Like, Where does Araki come up with these things? You
0: know, I don't know. Maybe he <laughs> snorts a lot of cocaine before he writes this anime.
1: Yeah, that's... It sense to sense in order to make this a bizarre adventure.
0: <laughs> but it doesn't end there because when you think that Joseph has been one-upped, he then one-ups the one-up by mm. saying that he set up his barrier so that in the event it was cut, it would still work. And going back to our earlier point, how and when did he have the time to do this during the battle? It's like JoJo logic because time works normally but then doesn't work normally because, I don't know, maybe he's got like supersonic brain power to be able to think and do that very quickly.
1: Yeah because you see the string just slowly receding his wool hat so it's he didn't it wasn't like he was holding the string and then tying these intricate loops um in order for the sleight of hand trick to work so I don't know it's just again one of the things you just have to accept but I like that before this um Joseph claims like ACDC is already lost and that humanity has evolved much or has evolved a lot in the 2000 years that he's hibernated but it's evolved to the point where humanity can perform cheap magic tricks <laughs> so it's like oh it's just a testament to how sometimes joseph can be really stupid
0: yeah he's he's brilliantly dumb or yes. stupidly smart i don't know one of the two <laughs> like an
1: oxymoron <laughs> oxymoron
0: (laughs) (laughs) but in the end he prevails and he defeats acdc like to a certain degree right Mm -hmm. because we get that shot at the very end of the episode with his big ass brain big brain time stuck to joseph's back
1: so technically this battle didn't take place over the course of one episode there's still like uh, battle 1.2 in the next.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes and no, right? Like, it's not like a pause in the middle of an ongoing battle. It's like two different sections or two different parts of this battle. So it's not like, you know, something happened and then like they cut in the middle of it and we got to wait till the next episode. It's like this part of the battle is concluded. Joseph won, but there's a second battle that takes place in the next episode. That's, that's the way I view it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just diving into it too much.
1: Mm-hmm. And was that really the antidote or was that snot?
0: <laughs> I like to think it was actually snot. Like he just blew a bunch of snot in there um, and then oh, so like the Joseph snot, ate it. As the like, snot is the antidote. Yeah, oh As like a lass in your face to, to Joseph making him consume his boogers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was lovely and unsanitary.
0: <laughs> I, I do want to say, though... Um, again going back to how much i enjoy this fight it made me realize that most of joseph's fights are not physical battles they're mental battles because as you watch this fight with acdc there's not a lot of action animated into this fight um, unlike the fights that like jonathan goes through or that jotaro goes through like jotaro Mm -hmm. is a perfect example of like an action-packed fight Um, this is a great example the acdc fight is a great example of just a mental battle um, they barely make physical contact with each other and most of the time is spent with a lot of dialogue or, um, you know, kind of backing the other opponent into a corner, but never actually moving forward with the strike. Don't get me wrong. There is contact, right? Like they are fighting, mm-hmm. but for the, the majority of it, it's just them like trying to psych each other out. So I think that Joseph's fight joseph's fights are usually this kind of formula with the exception of the wamu fight i would say that's certainly a mental battle but there's way more action like kind of embedded in all of that but the rest of them at least from what i'm remembering they all seem to be mental battles
1: actually i think that kind of continues into future parts as well although like with the introduction of stands a lot of that is like physic uh physically based yeah um but I think that's just what makes part two so interesting. Is again, even though Joseph is a buff as hell character and could take down anyone with just his might, um, he really flexes his mental muscles with these matchups. And it, again, it makes sense because these are superhuman, supernatural beings. So physicality is not always going to be the best way to to fight these opponents so you have to resort to your big brain time to to actually take them down
0: and honestly i don't think joseph for any human except maybe like lisa lisa could physically go up against the pillar men Mm -hmm. i mean they're like basically immortal um with even um crazy yeah with super crazy strength
1: yeah and even cars ultimately like he joseph can't defeat him with his fists he again just knows by like Uh, um, space science basically (laughs) that like cars he can defeat cars by like throwing him into the atmosphere and having him freeze up
0: he basically got super fucking lucky (laughs) with that fight um so yeah like I, i just think that trying to make it seem like these humans who wield Hamon have enough strength to take on what's literally been called multiple times the ultimate beings I, I think that's that's kind of a stretch. So I think it's a very smart choice on Iraqi's part to make these more mental battles where um, Joseph overcomes his opponents by weakening them through you know, kind of throwing them off um, or kind of getting them to be really distracted or lowering their guard. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this fight, Joseph thanks Loggins, which again is just another testament to him being a very kind individual, even if he's very, very brash.
1: Yeah, Loggins, thanks for your five minutes of connecting with us. Thanks for starting the donut gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too.
0: In the preview for the next episode, um, spoilers, based off the title, Stroheim is back because it's called...
1: My boy. It's
0: called Von Stroheim's Revenge or something like that?
1: Yeah, which it's weird because you don't see anything um, hinting to it in the preview and then you get the title that just says... And you're says... just
0: like, oh shit, I guess Stroheim's back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm excited to see it. Um. Or to see his return especially if it features the one meme that I love of stroheim or if that, oh yeah, yeah. The I don't remember <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if it's in this episode or if it's further down the line but I think I said previously uh, stroheim is one of my favorite characters in part two so I'm eager to see him back in the action
0: yeah and get more of his amazing crazy voice acting
1: mm-hmm and that brings us to our final thoughts for part two, episode eight, The Deeper Plan. So any closing remarks for this deep, deep episode?
0: Yeah, uh, my closing remark is, this isn't a dick slinging contest. This is a big brain slinging contest. That's the best way I can sum up this fight. And I say that with a lot of love. I enjoyed it. It was a great episode contained in one episode. Um and yeah, ACDC is a really really cool antagonist, very different from the other two Pillar Men. Um, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. What about you?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a good episode overall. I think ACDC proves to be a formidable first boss fight for Joseph in the three Pillar Men boss fights that we're getting, just because he was able to get into Joseph's psyche. Um, but thankfully Joseph managed to stay one step ahead. Um, with his weird humanity involving sleight of hand trick which again it's a little more of that typical Joe Star one-upsmanship that we'll continue to see in this part and i would say in future parts as well um i know we haven't seen the last of acdc which is i guess a good thing because you know a super human being such as a pillar man shouldn't go down so easily but yeah, i'm looking forward to what we'll or what's coming up in the next episode again, I don't really remember what happens.
0: <laughs> we actually get another really great meme from the next episode. I'm just going to say, nice.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I remember that part from this episode. And, you know, that just brings up our the whole Oedipus cl- complex discussion again. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess I'll look forward to that plot.
0: Yeah, and look forward to all of our listeners to our, our review of the next episode because it's It's a great episode, and I'm sure it'll be an even better discussion. And that wraps up episode 17 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at strictlyseries and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of Jojo. Stay weep, everyone. To be continued.